RNZ News at midday. Good afternoon, I'm Nicola Wright. Tributes have been pouring in for the off-duty New Zealand soldier killed in Ukraine while fighting on the front line. It's understood he was Dominic Abelin. Our political reporter, Giles Dexter, has more. Dominic Abelin was on unpaid leave from the New Zealand Army at the time of his death. RNZ has been told he was highly regarded as a soldier and a man. Sources have told RNZ he was hit in the body armour chest plate while attacking a Russian trench line. It's believed a US-born fighter was also killed. Defence Minister Pini Henare has offered condolences to Dominic Avalon's family. A Russian rocket strike on a railway station in eastern Ukraine has killed at least 22 people and injured dozens more. It comes as Ukraine marks Independence Day and six months since Moscow's invasion began. World Watch's Perlina Lau has more. Ukraine's Volodymyr Zelensky announced the attack during a video address to the UN Security Council. Ukraine says four carriages were on fire and five of the victims burnt to death in a vehicle. An 11-year-old boy was also killed. The attack took place in a town between Dnipro and Donetsk. Mr Zelensky had been warning Russia could do what he described as something cruel to disrupt celebrations. Russia has made no comment and has consistently denied targeting civilian infrastructure. The Emergency Management Minister has touched down in Marlborough for the second time this week. Karen McAnulty visited the region on Monday when he flew over the damage wrought last week by heavy downpours. $100,000 was committed to Marlborough's mayoral relief fund. Communities in Havelock, Rye Valley, Canvastown and Orkiwi Bay are among the worst affected areas, where houses remain isolated due to extensive slips on roads. The Marlborough Mayor says ground above some houses is still visibly shifting, and crews are on standby for more damage, with rain due to set in this afternoon. RNZ will join a convoy with the Minister to Havelock to inspect the state of the roads this afternoon. Auckland University of Technology has unreservedly apologised to a former academic-turned-Australian MP for its botched handling of her sexual harassment complaint by a former staff member. In a joint statement with the university issued today by the Office of the Human Rights Proceedings, Dr Marisa Patterson says she's suffered long-term distress and implications from what happened, and the apology is public recognition of that. She says her statement is not one of forgiveness, but a public step in leadership. Chancellor Rob Campbell says AUT recognises Dr Patterson's courage in coming forward. He says the university is already working to respond to the 36 recommendations from an independent review. A police officer has been charged with injuring the passenger of a car by stomping on his head after his arrest in Invercargill. The man was one of three people pulled over in a speeding car in 2020. An independent police conduct authority report into their arrests has also found police were wrong to use a dog to pull the driver out when he refused to go to the station for a breath test. The officer pleaded guilty to a charge of injuring by unlawful act and was discharged without conviction. The authority also found the dog handler wasn't justified in kicking the driver on the ground. U.S. military officials say another round of airstrikes has been carried out in eastern Syria. It's the latest attack on groups linked to Iran's powerful Revolutionary Guard. The BBC's Sanjay Dasgupta reports. A spokesman for the U.S. Central Command said Wednesday's strikes were necessary to protect American personnel. 
The monitoring group, the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights, said the airstrikes targeted the Ayash camp in Deir Azor, run by Shia fighters. Deir Azor is a strategically important Syrian province that borders Iraq. About a thousand U.S. soldiers are operating out of military bases there, as part of a global coalition against the Islamic State group. Iran routinely denies arming militia groups targeting U.S. forces, despite evidence of weaponry linking back to them. The police in South Korea have confirmed they have been asked by the New Zealand police to cooperate in the investigation into the remains of children found in Auckland. Finn Blackwell reports. Kung Ki-tek, the director of the Interpol Assistance Division at the National Police Agency, has told RNZ officers got the request, but he wouldn't comment further. The police here have also refused to say more. A relative of the two children whose bodies were found in luggage in Auckland is believed to be in South Korea. An NPA official has told Associated Press the woman is a Korean-born New Zealander in her 40s, and police here suspect she is the mother of the dead children. Records show the woman arrived in South Korea in 2018, and there is no evidence of her leaving the country since. The All Black selectors have stuck with the same starting lineup that beat the Springboks for Saturday's rugby championship game against Argentina in Christchurch. However, the Blues back Stephen Perofeta is set for his debut after being named on the bench in place of Bowden Barrett, who's unavailable with a neck injury. Meanwhile, there are eight changes to the Black Ferns team for the second O'Reilly Cup game against Australia in Adelaide on Saturday. And fullback Grace Steinmetz and prop Santo Tomata are set to make their debuts. There'll be more on the teams coming up in sport in midday report. It's almost six minutes past twelve. Pay television provider Sky TV says it's on the verge of sewing up the broadcast rights for next year's Rugby World Cup. The company lost out on the valuable rights for the 2019 tournament to Spark Sport. Sky revealed it was in advance talks with World Rugby for a wide-ranging deal earlier this year. Following media speculation, it had beaten out rival bids from Spark Sport and the owners of TV3. Following the release of the company's full-year results this morning, Chief Executive Sophie Maloney says she hopes to announce a deal in the next few weeks. Cyber security agency CERT says romance scams are an increasing threat. Reports of dating scams have gone up steadily, as Felix Walton reports. According to CERT's quarterly insights, there were 72 reports in the second half of last year, but 110 in the first half of this year. CERT says scammers use dating apps to build trust with victims, then ask for money, gifts, or personal details. The organization is encouraging users to be wary of people who aren't willing to meet up in person. Overall, the internet is a bit safer, with CERT reporting 332 fewer cybersecurity incidents in the second quarter of this year compared to the first quarter. The most popular banking scams have dropped by about 20 percent. Five people have been arrested following a burglary in the Auckland suburb of Newmarket. A high-end sneaker and clothing store subtype was targeted by thieves about two this morning. Five young men aged between 17 and 25 were due to appear in court this morning, charged with burglary. They were tracked down by the police Eagle helicopter and arrested in Otara. A mushroom business in Havelock North is halting production and making most of its 110 staff redundant. Timata Mushrooms chairperson John Seaton says the Havelock North facility is not fit for purpose. Staff were told about the closure yesterday. Most jobs will go once the final crops are picked and supplied in over a month to six weeks. 
Staff numbers will be gradually reduced to between 10 and 15. The company wants to focus on building a new facility in central Hawke's Bay. Temata Mushrooms has been criticised by residents for putrid odours that leak into homes. Contact Energy is welcoming a review of its consent to operate Clyde Dam in central Otago. The Otago Regional Council announced yesterday it's taking the rare step of reviewing parts of the consent. It'll look at the impact of the operation on the Kawaro arm of Lake Dunstan. In recent years, the water there has become shallow and at times smelly and even dangerous due to accumulating silt. Contact's head of hydro generation, Boyd Brinsden, says they welcome the opportunity to clarify the terms of the consent, but he says the electricity giant believes the Kawaro arm is destined to become a braided river. A secondary school's basketball premiership will go ahead in Nelson this weekend, despite the region's state of emergency. Up to 400 students will travel from around the Waibonamu to compete at Saxton Stadium, and several conferences will bring additional visitors over the weekend. Civil Defence Controller Alec Laverdis says there's capacity for extra people, but visitors should be wary of water use and limit travel when possible. For the visitors that are um, coming to conferences, I wouldn't advocate driving around, especially on roads that are already massively congested. And it's just um, a prudent, practical approach. You know, uh, we have a state of emergency for a reason. The state of emergency will remain in place until next Wednesday. That's the news.